0: back to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. My name is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and a soul healer. I'm joined today with Maddie McKinnon. Maddie is a creative activist and liberator of people's songs. She runs an indie Latina floral movement, Frida's Flowers, and coaches people into embodied healing through her emerging coaching practice. She is deeply inquisitive, wildly free, and unapologetic about her life and love. Maddie, welcome.
1: Thank you. Welcome to you as well.
0: Thank you so much. I can't wait to share the cover art. You're posing with this gorgeous bouquet of flowers.
1: <laughs> yes. Isn't, Isn't it lovely? That, was that today? That was not today. That was, let's see. I think that was about two months ago now. Love
0: it. Love, love, love. Thank you. So tell me about Activist and Liberator of People's Songs and Indie Latina Floral Movement. Flowers. Tell me about the moves that you're excited to be making right now.
1: Thank you for asking. It's an honor to get to share. I am currently reading the book Burning Sweetgrass, and it's really talking about this idea of reciprocity that uh, so many Native peoples carry on as a way of being and way of practice in their in their lives. And so I'm learning a lot from reading this book. And one of the things that continues to come up for me in the last few months is how do I live a life of reciprocity, where maybe previously I lived a life of give, 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 and then deny receiving or reject receiving because it's selfish. And now I'm learning this new way of reciprocity that is, and integrating that into my life. And so it's been really neat to see the shift from giving, 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 and then not only giving, but giving versions of myself that weren't actually who I was. Maybe they were fractions of who I was, but they weren't fully representative of who I was because I was hiding pieces. And so all these kinds of thoughts and learning started to emerge when I graduated from university this past spring. And I got involved with a really beautiful organization called Lark Song that really focuses on their whole mission is to creatively, uh, courageously co-create a more fulfilled and flourishing world through coach certification training and well-being practices, well-being education, and then through culture care. So I got involved because this organization is, lives right in the heart of the city, Marion, Indiana, where I went to the university. And so I was coming off of an entire like four years of experiencing a lot of systemic oppression in my own body as a woman of color. And as a, as a leader and as someone who has a voice, someone whose voice was repressed. And so coming up with a lot of oppression into this beautiful space that was incredibly liberated, mostly female operated, like just really liberating. And so when I encountered Lark Song it was kind of this instant redemptive, like I, I felt like there was a divine intervention in my own life of you will not become bitter because there is so much more for you to experience. And this is going to be a long journey of healing. So kind of holding that duality of you're, you're not going to become a bitter jaded person. And there is going to be a lot of healing that you're going to need to do. And so holding both of those together really set me on this journey of going inward and doing a lot of my own inner work, connecting to my ancestors, connecting to my Latin heritage, connecting to, um, I, was, I was raised in Mexico City. So connecting to the fact that I am Mexican and was raised there. And so really doing a lot of work around racial identity development, ancestral connection, that all of that connected really brought me to where I am now, which is this marriage of coaching and flowers. And my grandpa was a florist and I grew up next door to the largest wholesale florist in Indianapolis. And so I was kind of grew up around flowers and it was just a really cool opportunity for me. And I, beauty is something that I hold high regard for and so I was thinking about a way to bring beauty that would merge connectivity in my own city in my own community that I was moving back to from Marion Indianapolis and then how to bring in that the whole cultural idea of that and so really started to think about like what could that be what could that look like I'm a musician so it could look like an album but I wasn't feeling drawn to that at the time
0: just some different, you know,
1: ideas. And then all of a sudden, I was like, let's think about flowers. Like, flowers are this beautiful connector between all kinds of cultures and all kinds of people. Flowers are also living. Flowers have a lot to teach humanity. Flowers are beautiful. Flowers are typically used in really celebratory moments, like really important moments of people's lives. And then also just for like the mundane. So kind of seeing this beauty of like flowers emerge and actually my husband has been a really beautiful champion of all of this work that I have been doing. And he was like, what would you like to name your your floral business? Like, what do you want to name it? And I was like doing my makeup one day and I have this beautiful picture of Frida Kahlo right next to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's Frida's flowers. And so this kind of just emerged. And then I started doing a ton of research around like what
0: businesses in Indianapolis could I collaborate with to make this? Oh I just showed Maddie. I had to. I had to show Maddie. This is my favorite little purse. It's literally a tiny purse with Frida Kahlo on the uh front. <laughs> and I love the synchronicities of everything that you're talking about. It's
1: yeah.
0: It's I was gonna say it's wild and it's not because our spirit teams know what they're doing and our spirit yeah. teams brought us together. And yeah. so it's just one more <laughs> amazing I love that so much so anyways I was thinking about like who
1: who else would be more worthy of being honored in this way than Frida Gallo because she really championed so much of the feminist movement especially in a culture that was incredibly patriarchal and oriented around machismo and so for her to really champion not only femininity and feminism but also to be an artist in all of that and a poet and a writer, like she just had this really beautiful resonance in her life that she really stayed aligned with. And so I don't know, that all just like brings me to where I am now doing this coach um, certification training through Lark Song and then also starting this business. So yeah, it's been a real gift. So that's
0: kind of where I am now. So when you say people's songs, is mm-hmm. that is that the person's unique brilliance and their higher purpose of what they're here to do? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, it is.
0: So that's, and I, again, I find so many synchronicities with our journeys. Mm. I, uh, a year ago this week, I exited the corporate
1: mm. world.
0: I had been a corporate executive for so long <laughs> and it really started to, to hurt in every way it could hurt. And I also know that it's part of my soul contract that I came here to experience mental, physical, emotional abuse. That Mm -hmm. was part of the, that was part of what I signed up for, you know, on Mm -hmm. this, on this plane. And -hmm. what's beautiful is that Mm -hmm. I kept doing more of the same. And I probably, you mentioned divine intervention. There was something more Mm -hmm. that was constantly, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say nagging at me because my spirit team doesn't nag me But they're, they continue to put things in my pathway to say, let's see what she does with this. Let's see what she does with this. And I finally got the memo, you know, Mm -hmm. um, about a year and a half ago where it became Mm -hmm. overpowering in a way that Mm -hmm. I knew I could keep going down, you know, a corporate path and make all the quote unquote money and the titles Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I also knew I was meant for a lot more in this mm-hmm. world and to go mm-hmm. inward and to go into the cosmos and talk to my ancestors and my spirit mm-hmm. team and figure out I'm here on the space and time for a reason. And I wanted to figure out what that was. And so there was kind of like a one last straw moment in my corporate mm-hmm. world that said, okay, today's my last day. And I didn't look back. I didn't have a plan. I wouldn't have told you that I wanted to. <laughs> I wouldn't have told you that I wanted to become a coach. I wouldn't have told you that I wanted to own, like you know, start my own business. I wouldn't have told you. A matter of fact, about a week or two later, I think I was almost about ready to do more of the same. I was about to take another corporate when mm. I was like, wait a second. Okay. Mm. All right. Let's <laughs> pause for a little bit and let's sure. let me not just keep rolling with more of the same. And that's what really that overwhelming feeling of needing and wanting to go inward Mm-hmm. and to yeah. take stock of all of the deep conditioning and training that I had received my entire life yeah. Yeah. about who I was supposed to be really taking stock in that and taking a look at it. And also not trying really hard not to judge. Cause I also heard like not becoming bitter. Cause like yeah. at the top of the year, I will tell you, I was freaking pissed at everything. Yeah. everyone. I was thinking about how disenfranchised Mm -hmm. and unproportionately impacted women are at every turn. And I was like, oh my gosh, everything's broken all of that. And you can feel that I, that's been me. So (laughs) feel that. And you know, you know that the energy that we put out is what we get back in. So what I, before, you know, before we hit record, as I mentioned to you, (laughs) I've been on this beautiful and really Mm -hmm. fucking hard (laughs) internal spiritual journey this year to really Mm -hmm. figure out who I am, why I'm here, and Mm -hmm. that I chose to learn these lessons in this life. And Mm -hmm. what will I do with it next? And so Mm -hmm. the gorgeous part is that Mm -hmm. I haven't even in so many ways you and I haven't scratched the surface. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Like we like you and I could both we both could list off a laundry list of things that we have accomplished and are accomplishing actively. Mm And mm-hmm. the story's not even close to being mm-hmm. and and that's the beautiful part is that women, especially women and women of color were, we're people of mm-hmm. color are saying we're meant to do more than this one thing mm-hmm. that other people have projected onto us or told us that mm-hmm. we should do, and we're finding out what that means specifically for ourselves, at yeah. least from my perspective, oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. Yours spot on. That's really beautiful that you're going on that journey. It's, it's not easy. And it's, you're right in saying that there's so much social conditioning too, that can be so, yeah, just overwhelming to think through. And I think that's where some of the bitterness comes in is just the overwhelm because it almost feels like this isn't fair that I'm carrying the weight of this systemic oppression that was passed on to me.
0: It's in us. We, we pick up when we're in the womb, we take as fact. Everything Mm -hmm. that our moms experienced, our grandmothers, our great grandmothers, our great great grandmothers, where it was literally illegal to be a woman at Mm -hmm. one point, you know, when we were in the womb. So that's already, we're already born with that already, (laughs) already the moment we get here. And then, and then depending on how we're brought up the very first things that we hear and knowing how old I am, like, I know what I heard was that. It was more the same that women are less than. And so from ages one to seven, I took that on as fact. And then again, I just kept doing more of the same until I broke the cycle. You know, it's like, yeah. and it takes a lot for someone to realize that. Yeah. And it's not easy.
1: Yeah. And it's so vulnerable to invite my own
0: mom and my own dad into the
1: process of let's just be really honest with each other. And what is the wounding here? And how is there a gap between where we were created to be and where we are now and that's really vulnerable and really messy you know it, it is messy but I I was literally just in a coaching call and one of the questions that I asked was like where is there room for a mess in your life and like it feels silly sometimes to ask questions that you're like as a coach like you know you're asking these questions and you're like wait a minute but what about me like I that's just the constant balance <laughs>
0: And you and I both know as trained coaches, certified uh-huh. coaches, both know that healing isn't linear and that no, no. we don't have to be fully healed to be able to impart yeah. wisdom and help for others. And yeah. that we're able to assist. This has been a common theme throughout all my conversations today. Everybody needs a coach. Every coach needs a coach. Everybody needs yeah. a coach. We're yes. the ones that are filling some of the gaps where mainstream has mm-hmm. uh, not been up to par with what humanity needs today. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and just that realization of mess, like the the (laughs) gift that mess is, like really exploring like where is mess a gift in your life? Where you know, where where what's the invitation of mess? Like having this broader perspective, at least for me, cultivating a broader perspective around like there is so much going on in this moment, not just in my own life and spirit, but in your spirit and all kinds of women around us and the whole universe and even Mother Earth. And there just are so many pieces of the divine feminine that are just crying out to be heard. And and I think that what's happening is we're actually hearing them and that's where the shift is. And I was actually listening to this TikTok today about this woman who was on a flight and it was her first time being flown by a female pilot. Mm-hmm. And she just said that the pilot called in and was like, just so you know, everyone for the next five hours, you are the only thing that I care about. You're the only thing that I care about right now. And I am carrying you all in my spirit and in this plane. And so we're going to make it through together. And I've got you back. Just the shift from like, all right, ready for takeoff. Three, two, you know what I mean? Like, just the shift, even in like tone, is crazy. And what an honor to be a part of that. There's a lot to hold right now.
0: So, fun fact I'm clairsentient. So, I feel energy. I felt the chills that you felt. <laughs> so, thank you for that because that was pretty incredible. And mm-hmm. you, what you said about, the collective, so many people right now are uncomfortable, are starting to get really pinched, Mm -hmm. men, women, whomever. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that, when you feel the pinch, it's the collective invitation to bring back in the divine feminine. She is calling. And many of us were answering it. There's there's a reason why so many people and especially women are emerging from the patriarchal lives that we've been living to maybe a more consulting coaching space like where we are able to divinely answer that call and it's not to say that we don't need the masculine we need the restore the balance the divine masculine and feminine where we've been leading in the masculine for so long and I love that you know exactly what I'm talking about and then and then also taking a look at Gaia. Gaia will restore balance when she feels called. There have been a lot of times where I've Tapped into Gaia, and she's been sad and crying because there have been all of these natural disasters happening. Yeah, she, she hasn't wanted to do yeah. that, but her whole goal and job is to restore balance. And yeah. so, if we take a look at what what Gaia is doing, and like we're being called to, do,
1: mm. all of the
0: work that we're doing is restoring the balance. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are, and that does take a lot of crying out and being like, "Excuse me, like." Hello, you will no longer silence me
0: to allow her to speak to us and to receive what she has to say for me, a lot of tuning back inward is turning back into to nature, but for me, mm-hmm. when I try to ground into Mother Earth, I have a harder time with that than when mm-hmm. I go into the cosmos like, like i I'm like I very much want to live up there like I want to go mm-hmm. and so it's really hard for me sometimes to ground and it's mm-hmm. been a big part of my work and my first and second chakra. So mm. it's, it's all beautiful and divine and wonderful. Mm, um, it is. I want to go to a post that you've made that you actually reposted uh, a few days mm-hmm. ago from Dr. Mm-hmm. Autumn Blackdeer. And I want to oh. hear more about what you're thinking about and, and what led you to repost this. So mm-hmm. Dr. Autumn Blackdeer says, can we problematize the term ethnic cleansing? It feels Mm -hmm. like it reinforces the idea that marginalized groups are dirty, sinful, et cetera. And thus their genocide is justified because it cleanses Mm -hmm. the land. I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. So where is this term coming from, ethnic cleansing? And in what kind of context? And Yeah, so
1: I'm actually just gonna pull that post up for myself really quick. There's so much that I love that she talks about because she really, there's a lot, there's this whole movement of like being woke yeah. Um, and she sheds light on something deeper that I think resonates even more deeply with the human longing than wokeness. Not to say that there a place for becoming awake to the people
0: around you in a
1: way that is like, you know, necessary, like oxygen.
0: Did you know that being woke is simply considering someone mm. else's perspective and experience? Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> When you like put it that way, it's like,
1: that's just like the bare minimum.
0: <laughs> like the audacity of being woke, you know, it's like, again, it just, I, I struggle when people like, oh, like make fun of that term. It's like, okay, call it whatever you want, but it's, it's, mm. it's having the audacity to think outside yourself.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's ethnic cleansing really comes from this place of one white supremacy around making sure that. That a place stays ethnically homogenous. And the way that it stays ethnically homogenous is by forcing people to be removed from a given area. And typically, those are people who are of different ethnic backgrounds, uh, religious groups. There's all kinds of connection to slavery and ethnic cleansing. There's all kinds of connection to colonization, the, the global colonialism, just all kinds of really evil spirits around. There's like a lot of wounding for people of color, particularly. And so, I mean, here's like one example. There are tons of schools that are still very much so not in word, but in action, upholding segregation as a reality because of different neighborhood zones and because of redlining, because of all kinds of different things that are still very much so a part of our societal norms that are simply put evil. And so, basically, there's this whole movement of people who are like, you know, this person, because they belong to this group, shouldn't be here. Or because they have this religious background, they shouldn't be here. So, anyways, to answer your question, there's this whole, like, movement of... Let's get rid of the people who don't look like us, act like us, speak like us, follow the same belief patterns as us. And uh, let's do it because we are superior and we carry a spirit of superiority. We carry a spirit and a posture of hierarchy and supremacy. And that's really where that comes from. And so when I posted, when I reposted this, first of all, like I said, I just really admire if you haven't, for any listeners, if you have not, followed her, please, by all means, go back through my own post on my LinkedIn and find her or just search in Dr. Autumn Black Deer. And maybe we can link her LinkedIn in the show notes. But she just does this beautiful work of anti-colonization, anti-racism. She's an activist. She's an indigiqueer. And so just even her title of it, ancestor in training, she's really fighting against everything that ethnic cleansing is is saying and and the fact that she even has to say let's problematize that term is kind of wild to me because it's like to someone who has lived in it and been entrenched and it's like duh (laughs) but like what she's doing is so gracefully and fiercely bridging the gap so that people who just simply do not have ears to hear all of a sudden are like wait a minute okay let's see now i understand why that's a problem so, what she's saying is, it just feels like it reinforces this idea that marginalized groups are dirty, simple, et cetera, and that their genocide is justified because it cleanses the land. And so, I am not connected personally with Dr. Black Deer, but I do know that she's a deeply connected person to the earth, to the people of the earth, and to her own story and her own life. And so, I imagine that this has to do with the conflicts in Gaza and Israel. And so, and, and also just a lot of other things that are going around in the world. So that's kind of where that's coming from. And and I always, every chance that I can repost to work, because I think it deserves to be seen by everyone. Is mm. the term
0: ethnic cleansing, a whitewashing term for whitewashing? I would say it is. Yeah, that seems like white people don't want to say whitewashing. So they need to whitewash the term so that yes. it's less reflective on themselves and then and say something outside of them.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's so discreet, which is, oh, it's not, and it's not actually discreet, but to people who are, people who are conditioned in the way of thinking of colonization and racism, it is, it's something where it's like, you, you almost don't even notice, but this is, this is all just whitewash jargon and an attempt to whitewash communities. So it's devastating.
0: In my journey this year, I struggle with Fourth of July, with like anything that Yo, none of us were here. Well, that's not true that none of us were here. This was an established mm-hmm. place world, you know, in let's say the US. Mm-hmm. It was already established, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like all these things that we're celebrating, I don't I don't vibe mm-hmm. with it. You know, and I and I hadn't really for a long time, but I now understand more deeply yeah. now why. You know, you even think about something like Thanksgiving, and this is hard for a lot of people
1: to oh, even yeah. like go of, because it's like what we're celebrating is that we as Americans, I speak on behalf of the uh, initial group of white men who came from England, but just the, this is kind of the narrative that I picture, at least like we're celebrating that we're here, we're safe, we have plenty, we have But these are the caveats, the asterisks, that so much of the world is just not catching on to, or so many white people, I would say, are just not catching on to, is that's because you have built your freedom on the backs of people who do not look like you, speak like you, act like you, and you call yourself more powerful simply because your embodied presence is that you have white skin. And so then because of that, you get to use that power. So anyways, when you start to really think about even the celebrations that we have, The question that I have is not even necessarily, like, how do we just, like, get rid of these holidays? How do we reframe them and Mm -hmm. properly educate, especially young people, the real story, not the story that sounds comfortable? Because I remember in my own history books, there was not much about slavery. There was maybe two or three pages about slavery and the history of racism. And primarily it was factual. There was no kind of, like, remorse in the history books around this is a horrible act of humanity, there was nothing that was legitimately sorrowful about any of it. And so teaching students the right, the history that that says this is where, you know, I have this is where we as a society have truly gone incredibly wrong. And so that's anyways, yes, yeah, so many thoughts.
0: So are we suggesting, Maddie and Amy, are we suggesting that we mm-hmm. don't say any holidays? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we are asking you to consider mm-hmm. that we're hearing one perspective. What is interesting is that I've had some of these conversations with some folks and they're like, yes, and it has become a place of gathering for family and love. Mm. That can be true too. Mm. Mm. It's just also just giving, again, the consideration of the whole story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what would you share with people that both want to know Mm-hmm. kind of a full story and like want to learn and what mm-hmm. would you share with them but then also what would you share with people that are kind of staunch in there that aren't even open to hearing something
1: mm-hmm. I mean I'm gonna like pull up my my role as a coach
0: here like there are a lot of questions
1: that would emerge for me around both of those different like it, it seems like there's two kind of pools of thought there's there are schools of thought there's the school of thought that says I'm curious. I want to learn more. And then there's a school of thought that says this is all bullshit. You're just all a bunch of liberals. What, like, you know, whatever the whatever this do? Like, that's the extreme. I'm not saying that that's always the case, but to really start to ask yourself questions. And I would say, notice where in your body, notice where in your body things start to emerge when you start to talk about or hear about conversations regarding racism and colonization. What comes up in your own body? Where does it show up in your body? Are your shoulders tense? Can your can you relax your jaw? Like start to really pay attention and just notice where in your body things are beginning to emerge. And then I would say for both ends of the spectrum and then everywhere in between, the thing that's going to continue to unify us, I believe, is curiosity because that's where we'll start to seek so much common ground and that you're a human being and I'm a human being. And ultimately, we both just want to belong here and we both want to make a meaning out of our lives. And even if those avenues for meaning making are entirely different. What matters is that we're ultimately trying to make meaning. And so how do we unify? And I think we unify through curiosity. So I would just say to anyone listening, including my own self, is how can we really begin to approach these conversations and the work that we're all doing and know is so important with curiosity and really beginning to ask ourselves what's coming up? Is it arrogance and pride? And like, you're wrong. I don't want to talk about that. Without judgment, begin to ask yourself, what is that? like? What's that about? And where else in my life am I feeling closed off? What story am I telling myself about the world that I live in? What about comfort am I holding on to? What feels important about being comfortable with the story and the narrative? And so I would say like a lot of times when I'm in conversations, even like this, even though I've been having these conversations for years, uh, I still get like worms in my stomach where I just feel like there literally are like worms crawling around like, <laughs> And just like, okay, you know, instead of judging that, moving into a place of curiosity, what is that? What is my, what is my stomach trying to tell me? What can I learn from this gut reaction? So that's kind of what I would say to listeners.
0: Y'all, this is why everybody needs a coach. See what we just did? It's, <laughs> um, we do take you through a journey of self-realization and it's very rarely about the first duality that comes up and mm-hmm. sometimes so much deeper and yeah. so much more ingrained and, and you're hurting for a reason, that's why you have like a, a flag that's thrown mm-hmm. on something that you hear that you want to just mm-hmm. adamantly resist. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to go in. Where
1: can we find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. i my full name, Madeline Mireles McKinnon. And then my Instagram for Frida's Flowers is just Frida's Flowers Indy. So Frida's F R I D A S flowers F L O W E R S Indy I N D Y as in Indianapolis, and then that's really where I hang out most of the time. So those are the those are the places, and you can also find me if you're in Indianapolis. Feel free to find me somewhere around Indy with a flower pop-up. So yeah,
0: <laughs> that's amazing. I'll <laughs> keep that in mind if I venture down from Chicago. Yes, Maddie. Closing remarks as we wind down.
1: It's an honor to receive from you, Amy. And it's an honor to be in the presence of so many listeners and so many people who I know will be blessed and enriched by your work, Amy. And so thank you for the work that you're doing and for thank you for not allowing the trauma and the pain of your story to overwhelm you more than the invitation to health and wholeness. So those are my closing remarks.
0: Thank you, Maddie.
1: It's so great to meet you.